This is Doug Hastings, Vice President of Moody Radio, and we're thankful for support from our listeners and businesses like United Faith Mortgage. Heading into spring, I've been spending a lot of time pondering, analyzing, and debating something extremely important to men, and even many women, and that's whether a new driver would improve my golf game. I would say I'm somewhere between embarrassing and appalling at golf, but man, do I love it. And all my buddies show up with these epic flash, big Maverick Bertha drivers, and I can't help but feel like they've got this massive advantage on me and my persimmons. It's Ryan, and at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're proud to have a pretty special advantage ourselves, and one that can be a big deal for you. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company uses its own money and makes its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And this advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, saving monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We're much better at mortgages than I am at golf. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. We have embraced an entitlement Christianity. We think we can edit what God tells us to do and there be no consequences. That somehow we're the center of everything. God has to reduce his standards to make me feel good about my choices in life and endorse what I want to do. Well, we often inadvertently reduce it to a child's Bible story, Jonah and the Whale. Well, first of all, it's not entirely clear what kind of fish it was. But anyway, as the story goes, the big fish swallowed Jonah, and Jonah was in its belly for three days. And then the fish hurled him out on land. Okay, so why was Jonah in the water in the first place? Because he was running from God. And that's the big picture of this story, and where it moves into the application realm. The real lesson here? When God has prepared us for something He wants us to do, He expects us to depend on Him and do it. When we obstinately refuse, there are consequences. Now, a big fish may not swallow us, but life's circumstances might, enough so to drive us back to God and humbly undertake His purpose for us. Welcome again to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of author and speaker Crawford Loritz. Today, we continue with the second half of Crawford's message, Self-Righteous Disobedience. We're at the beginning of a new series called God's Severe Mercy, as illustrated in the book of Jonah. Now, if you missed last week's message, you can get caught up on our website. We stream all of Crawford's messages there. Our text is Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. God told Jonah to preach to the people of Nineveh, encouraging them to repent. But Jonah didn't want to do it because he didn't like the people of Nineveh. They were brutal to their enemies, and Jonah didn't think they deserved God's grace and mercy. So he ran away or tried to anyway. But as we learned last week, you can't run from God. Let's continue with the story. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. Nineveh was there in the Mediterranean, there in Joppa, was approximately 500 miles northeast of Joppa. Tarsus, check this out, was approximately 2,000 miles west of Joppa. God said, no, I want you here. Jonah said, no, I'm going as far away from you as I possibly can can go. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. 
Now, before we get too hard on him, what about you? At this stage in my life, I, I know one thing for sure. There's a lot of things that I'm not sure about, but I know this for sure. God will often tell you to do stuff that you just cannot stand to do. What are you going to do? Could it be that some of you listening to me right now, you have been, quote, running from the Lord. You've been running from his call on your life. You've been running and going in the opposite direction, frankly, because what he's assigned you to do and told you to do is not what you're willing to do. It doesn't fit with where you're going or what you like. But as we'll see a little bit later here, you can't, um, you can't outrun God. You see, Jonah had a problem with the job he was given, but he had a bigger problem with the one who gave him the job. Jonah's anger was extended toward God. And so the redundancy there, when, when, when the writer says that he ran away from the presence of the Lord, he says, yeah, he ran away from the presence of the Lord, I don't think that Jonah really thought that he could get away from God's presence, literally, but I think what he thought was that I, I, don't, I, I don't like him now. I don't like God now. I don't like him showing mercy to people who are our oppressors. So I got to get away. I got to get away. What was his problem? Here's the essence of Jonah's problem, and we're going to see this time and time again. He, the essence of his problem was this. Unless Jonah can see his own sin and see himself living under the mercy of God, he will never understand how God could be merciful to evil people and still be just. And that's our problem today, too. That's the problem of all self-righteous people. The problem of all self-righteous people is that they have forgotten the severe mercy of God in their own lives. Self-righteous people compare themselves horizontally rather than vertically. Self-righteous people have an inadequate theology and view of sin. Self-righteous people, somehow they behave as if their pride and their arrogance and all of that did not send Jesus to the cross. Oh, I tell you, I tell you, the greatest way of, 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 of releasing grace and mercy in and through our lives is to catch a glimpse of the damnable devastation of our own sin, our own culpability. We have all hurt the heart of God. It doesn't make us any better than anyone else, and that was the message that God was giving to Jonah and the reason why he sent him there. So what's happening with my man here? Well, it's, 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 not, really, it's not really cool. So the first lesson is this. God will tell you to do things that you don't want to do. And the second lesson is pretty obvious. We come to, we come to verses 4 through 6. Lesson number 2 is that God will not be ignored. I, I just need to say that to all of us here. I just need to say that. God 
will not be ignored. You can't do this to him and think that there are no consequences. You can't do this to him and think that he will not respond. What happens here? Well, Jonah runs, but God won't let him go. Wait, 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 you think you're going to get away from me? You think you're going to get away from me? There are two things in verse, verse 4 and then verses 5 and 6. Um, God won't be ignored, and what will he do? Well, number one, he will send a storm, and then number two, he will put a spotlight on our sin. First of all, he will send a storm. Okay, so he runs, and he gets in this ship, and they're going, and verse 4 says, but the Lord hurled, hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. <laughs> God hurled. That word hurl, that Hebrew word translated hurl there, is, is often used for uh, throwing a weapon or a spear. It's the same word that's used over in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 11, when Saul threw the spear at David. Ah, yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's a shot over the bow. God says, you're going to run from me? You think I won't come after you? So what does he do? God hurls a storm right at the ship, right at the ship. God threw a mighty storm onto the sea around Jonah's ship. I like to believe that that storm did not affect the whole area. I uh, can't prove it from the text, but I believe, I believe that that storm was localized. You got somebody on board that refuses to listen to me, that won't do what I'm telling them to do. Listen to me, listen to me. Again, I, <laughs> there's a lot that I don't know, but this stage in my life, I have, I have seen this in life, I've seen it in my own life. Every act of disobedience invites a storm. Every act. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows or woman sows, that shall he also reap. There's no such thing as crop failure with God. You don't disobey God without consequences. Every act of disobedience brings a storm. Now, let me parenthetically say this. No, there's suffering in life. There's pain that we're going through. Some of us right now with this COVID-19 and this pandemic, we're experiencing suffering, and God meets us in that suffering. And the suffering is not, is not God's, uh, uh, God's discipline of us. I'm not talking about that. But where there's flat-out disobedience, there's consequences. And some of the storms, some of us are going through storms right now, and it's un unnecessary. And the reason why we're going through those storms is because we told God no. We told him no. And if we sat down and began to pray and ask God to show us why are we going through this right now? He will point us back to area or er an area or areas of disobedience in our lives. And I want you to understand something. Jonah's mess and Jonah's disobedience and the storm that he went through did not just affect him. It affected those around him. The sailors on that ship. 
simply because he would not do what God called him to do. Some of us have relationships that are all jacked up. We got, we got mess going on. We can't, we can't find peace with other people. Not, and, and when you sit down and think about it, it's not that they're the problem. We're the problem. The guilt is, is, is cascading down around us. Things are not working out. Why? Because we've chosen to disobey God, and God said, okay, I'm hurling a storm. You think you can run from me? Seriously? Storms. But I think we, we have embraced an entitlement in Christianity. We think we can edit what God tells us to do, and there be no consequences. That somehow we're the center of everything and somehow God has to reduce his standards to make me feel good about my choices in life and endorse what I want to do. No, God says, no, buddy, you exist for my glory. I want you to be the expression of my biography through your life during your moment in history. And you don't ignore me and you don't tell me no. So there was a storm. There was a storm. And secondly, underneath this banner of, 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 of God will not be ignored, he will, use, he will send a storm. But number two, he will put a spotlight on our sin. Verses five and six. <laughs> then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for, for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God, uh, the, the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Uh, listen to what's going on here. The results of Jonah's disobedience are dramatic. And even the sailors recognized that was hap- what was happening was not normal. This was not some normal storm. This was supernatural. I don't know if they looked off in the, to the dis- in the distance and could see through the rain blowing sideways that it was calm over here. I don't know. But this, this violent storm was not ordinary. There was no warning. Even these, even these <laughs> Gentile sailors recognized that this thing was supernatural. Storms are meant to wake us up to the realities that we have not, we've ignored. We've ignored. And Jonah could not see that in the terror of the storm, hear me on this. Jonah could not see that even in the terror of this storm, that God's severe mercy was at work, calling him to change his heart. In a very real sense, the storm was an act of God's mercy. Jonah, Jonah, you don't have to be in this situation. You don't have to be in this mess. Why are you ignoring me? Why are you choosing to run away from me? This is amazing. Now notice it says that he had laid down and was fast asleep. I used to, um, this is one of the significant things that uh, Tim Keller has influenced me on this, and I went back to the text. I used to think that Jonah was fast asleep because, hey, he was at peace with his disobedience. I think not now. I've changed my view on that. I, I, I don't think this was the sleep of peace that he was experiencing. 
I, I think that this was, believe it or not, the sleep of guilt. I think it was the sleep of guilt. I think Jonah was sleeping because he didn't want to face reality. If I just fall asleep, maybe, maybe I'll stop hearing these voices. Maybe I won't feel as guilty. I'll just sleep. I don't like what I hear in my head. I don't like what God wants. I'll just sleep. And by the way, he isolated himself because he didn't want to have anything to do with even these Gentile sailors. And that's the reason why he was so far away from them, down in the inner resources of the boat. He didn't like the Ninevites, and he didn't like these Gentile sailors. So he was sleeping. Now, while Jonah is self-absorbed, these sailors are seeking common, the common good for everyone. You know, one of the tragedies of this little section, this little narrative here, is that these sailors, these sailors, they, they outshine Jonah. They were more compassionate than Jonah was. And by the way, this is the theme of the book. This, God sends them to show mercy. The sailors show him mercy. Later on, we're going to see he gets thrown into the sea, and this great fish swallows him. God shows him mercy by sending this fish. So God is showing Jonah mercy, but he can't get it. He can't get the message. In fact, in fact, these, every, even these sailors are praying to their God, but Jonah doesn't pray to his God. Again, he's mad at God. These sailors are praying to their God. They said, call on your God. Jonah is not praying. They show his God high respect. And it's as if God is saying to Jonah, you're going to devalue these people? At least they're acknowledging and respecting me. They're inviting you to pray to me, but you won't pray to them? You see, Jonah's private faith is of no public good. That's his problem. You know, um, these sailors are sending a message to Jonah, and the message is this. Okay, you don't care about Nineveh, but these Gentile sailors care about you. You don't care about Nineveh, but these Gentile sailors are caring, they care about you. You see, uh, there are unbelievers who are more merciful and compassionate than Christians. I hate to say that. I hate to say that. I hate to say that. But it's true. It's true. I have met unbelievers, unbelievers who don't have a relationship with Christ, who in, who in some instances are far more kind, far more compassionate, far more merciful, far more understanding than even some of our self-righteous Christians. Less judgmental, more embracing. That's a terrible thing, isn't it? And yet, that's, that's what this narrative says. That's what it says. These Gentiles, they didn't want to deep-six Jonah. They end up doing because he asked them to. They didn't want to deep-six him. They're trying to save everybody. They're trying to save everybody. Look, I want to bookend this. This series is one long message, so uh, this may sound a bit abrupt. But at the end of this, right now, I want to ask or raise four critical questions that we need to think about. 
You might want to jot these down. You might want to interact with your children uh, about these questions because this is fundamental to their lasting joy, a respect for the voice of God, and a passionate desire to obey what God tells them to do no matter what. That's foundational. That's foundational to the Christian life. And the ability to be vehicles of love and grace and mercy to others and to receive and express that mercy in the same way that God, God himself has received us. So here are these four questions. Number one is this. Are you assuming that God will meet your expectations? Now think about that. Don't, don't, don't be so quick to answer that question. I know at first glance, well, of course not. No, well, look at, you. Look at how you behave. Look at how you think. Look at how you respond. Are you assuming that God will meet your expectations? Secondly, are you refusing to be used by God to extend his mercy? God might be nudging you to forgive someone that has hurt you deeply, like Louis Zamperini. God might be nudging you to express kindness and love and mercy to someone that has offended you deeply. Again, the question is, are you refusing to be used by God to extend his mercy? The third question is this. Have you lost sight of how merciful God has been to you? Have you lost sight of that? Have you lost sight of how merciful God has been to you? And the fourth and the final question is this. Are you telling God what you will not do? Now, now, I, now I know we know how to PR the thing, okay? I know we know how to, you know, you, you use euphemisms and, and kind of soften it, put cotton around the statements. But when you peel the layers back and you fillet this thing and you do the autopsy on it, are you telling God what to do with you? Are you dictating to him? We belong to him. We're his vessels. You see, Christ died on the cross in our place and for our sins. And when we came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that was not just an intellectual transference, but that was an eternal transformation. It was a transformation and a transaction that took place. We, 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 we came out of the domain of darkness into the domain of light. We gave up ownership of our lives and we belong to him. We exist for his pleasure. And great joy is found even in tough, hard obedience. Will you let God use you to be the expression of his love and mercy? Say, if you've never come to know Christ as your Savior and Lord, and right now would be a great time. Because so all of those sins that you and I have ever committed instantly will be taken away because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. If we turn from our sin and trust him, he will be our savior. Father, thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for how good you've been to us. Oh God, oh God, I search my own heart. Help me, Lord God, to not superimpose my expectations on the way you deal with me. But may all of us fall to our knees with open hearts open ears in our response to God, no matter how severe it is that you ask us to do, is always yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you will do in Jesus' name. Amen.
Crawford Loretz here on Living a Legacy. Let's take a look at those questions again. Are you assuming God will meet your expectations? Are you refusing to be used by God to extend His mercy? Have you lost sight of how merciful God has been to you? And are you telling God what you will not do? Well, that was the second part of Crawford's message, Self-Righteous Disobedience. And I think we're in for a challenging study in the book of Jonah as we go through Crawford's new series, God's Severe Mercy. Now, if you're not able to join us for our broadcast each week, you can hear Crawford's messages on our website under the link Past Programs. Go to livingalegacy.org. Or here's an idea. If you've got a road trip planned in the near future, download some of Crawford's messages to listen to during the trip. They're free. Just look for the MP3 link on our website, livingalegacy.org. We're grateful for your emails. They do help us know how God is using the program in your life. So let us know when and where you listen and what you find helpful. Takes just a few minutes. Write to us this week at livingalegacy.org. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for being with us today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.